Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Brothers and sisters, welcome. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, Director of Priests for Life, and thank you for joining me for some time of prayer. We're going to delve into the Word of God as we usually do, and we're going to pray for one another as we usually do. Feel free to leave detailed prayer intentions in the comments if you like, so that we'll know how to pray for you today. Let's put ourselves in the Lord's presence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we are joyful to continue this journey of Lent. Repentance, deeper engagement in prayer and in your word, more generous levels of service to one another, more disciplined self-sacrifice to train ourselves in virtue, reflection on our baptism and preparation to renew it, and a focus of mind and heart on the Paschal mystery that saved the world and that we are preparing to celebrate. Forgive us our sins, strengthen our love, and help us now to understand your word more deeply, live it more faithfully, and proclaim it more effectively. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves and said to them on the way, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and scourged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons and did him homage, wishing to ask him for something. He said to her, What do you wish? She answered him, Command that these two sons of mine sit, one at your right and the other at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus said in reply, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the chalice that I am going to drink? Then they said to him, We can. He replied, My chalice you will indeed drink. But to sit at my right and at my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus summoned them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just so, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Brothers and sisters, Jesus turns the thinking of the world upside down. But that doesn't mean that it happens automatically in our own mind and heart once we take the name of Christian or put the crucifix up on the wall or the cross around our neck, it doesn't mean that our thinking 
automatically changes. It takes a lot of hard work and focus to understand the message that has come to us in this gospel passage. That's, that authority and power consist of service and giving yourselves away. Authority and power. You know, I, I was reminded as I was finishing that reading of a meeting, one of many meetings I've had over at the, the Vatican in the highest offices in the church. My associate Janet and I were meeting with a high-ranking Vatican cardinal. Now, we had not met him before, and this man came to the door dressed in a Roman collar and just a regular black shirt and, and said, uh, can I get any of you some coffee or tea? And uh, turns out, we didn't realize it at the time, but then turns out that that was the cardinal himself. He was exemplifying in a very small way what Jesus says here. You know, rather than, than oh, I'm the cardinal, you know, everybody stand and bow and, 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 and oh, come and wait on me. No, he was in a very ordinary human act of service. Anybody wants some coffee, I'll go get it myself. He wasn't calling on servants. And so we're called to live this in much deeper ways as well not to seek power, popularity, prestige, access, even though we may have identified ourselves as Christians for a very long time, for a very large portion of our lives, it takes a while to get away from the idea that to be successful, we have to have popularity, power, prestige, that things are really going well if we have access to certain powerful people, certain meetings, cocktail parties, invitations. Brothers and sisters, is there something about this gospel passage that is not clear? Jesus is applying this, by the way, both to civil authority and to church authority. Don't follow the example of the Gentiles, he, he says, who lord it over. They make their authority felt. You will know who's boss here. It's like, so what? Who do you think you are? Those in political power, it's not about having power. It's about serving the needs and protecting the rights of the people. Not them serving you. You work for them, not the other way around. You don't limit their freedom. You don't veto their rights. You don't pretend that you can declare that some human beings, like the babies in the womb, for example, are non-persons. But also this applies to church authority, and it applies also to pastoral practice. Church authority, those who are making decisions in the church, they can't, they've got to get their, their, their heads screwed on straight and not be thinking all the time about, oh, well, it's my right to make this decision and people have to listen to me. How many times I've been told decisions that are made by church authorities, they can make these decisions and, oh, they don't need to give an explanation. Sorry, but yes, they do. Respect for the people that you serve, if in fact it's about serving them and not lording it over them, demands that you have some kind of, of, of explanation. You, 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 you're accountable for the decisions that you make. 
But on another level, though so many of you are involved in church activities, maybe at the parish level, how many of us have been involved in what in meetings where the churches are planning certain activities? A lot of you, I'm sure, have, not everybody. But you know, you have these meetings where you say, okay, what's the parish going to do? Maybe it's uh, uh, some a parish council meeting, or what's the parish going to do about this or that? How many meetings, here's my question based on today's reading, how many meetings take place in rooms where there are crucifixes on the wall, but in the meeting, we're trying to figure out how to be accepted by people instead of rejected. And meanwhile, we're having the meeting in a room with a crucifix on the wall, where the Son of God, whom we worship and serve, and who leads our church, who leads all our pastoral efforts, Jesus Christ, was so rejected that he was nailed to a cross. But we're sitting around in rooms with crucifixes on the walls, trying to figure out how not to be rejected. Take up your cross each day and follow me, the Lord Jesus said. If you do not take up your cross, you cannot be my disciples. Uh, they will hate you. They will persecute you. He promised this. And we sit around planning how we can avoid the promises of Christ. Now, I'm not saying you deliberately get yourself into trouble. I'm not saying you lack basic prudence and common sense and purposely upset people who can punish you. Of course not. What we're saying is, if we are faithful to proclaiming the Word of God, the light comes into the world and some prefer darkness. It's as simple as that. If they prefer darkness, it's not just that they're going to go to the darkness, they're going to try to shut out the light. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples as he predicts his passion. This is how I'm going to save the world. The salvation of the world will be in the cross. On Good Friday, we will kiss the cross. We will bow to the cross. We will thank God for the cross. By your holy cross you have redeemed the world, we say in the Stations of the Cross. Not by your prestige and acceptance and popularity and access to important people. How did you save the world, Lord? By your cross. How do we walk the path of salvation? By carrying our cross. Those of you who want to be great, shall be one another's servants. May we serve especially by saving lives. What better way can you serve somebody than to save their life? To save their life. Some people ask us in the pro-life movement, well, what do you do with the, for the babies after you save their life? Really? You're really going to ask that question? Are you kidding? It's like, God forbid, if you're in, in involved in a, in, a, in, a, in a fire, in a building, right? And the firefighter has to carry you out, save your life from the, from the flames. Who asks, oh, what's that firefighter doing for you for the rest of your life? What's that firefighter going to do about uh, getting you a better salary? He just saved your life. You really have to ask him what else he's going to do for you? 
A lot of people ask that of the, the courageous pro-life folks, many of you among them, who, who will sidewalk counsel or work in the pregnancy center or just speak up about abortion so that maybe somebody who's thinking about it might think twice. And we save somebody's life from abortion, and then they ask us, oh, what else are you going to do for them? What do you mean, what else are you going to do for them? Every single thing they do the rest of their life is thanks to you. Every single blessing they receive, every single good thing that happens to them, every moment they live, every breath they take, every beat of their heart, it's thanks to you because you saved their life. Oh, what else are you doing for them? Give me a break. Stop. stop. Don't tolerate that question. Why do we always in the pro-life movement have to feel like we've got to show people that we're doing more for people than saving their lives. Apologies to all firefighters, uh, emergency medical technicians, uh, police officers, anybody who saved your life at any particular moment. I remember a story about an uncle of mine who was a fisherman and was out there frequently in, in his boat out on Long Island Sound and came across some young men in distress one day whose uh, boat had capsized, and I don't know exactly what went wrong, but, but the bottom line is there was a guy there who, whose life he, he saved. What more would somebody like that have to ask my uncle to do? You saved my life. I owe every day to you going forward. Keep saving lives. That's service above all. The Lord Jesus came to save us he says his service was expressed in that cross. Let's not be afraid. Let's not slack off in giving ourselves away in that kind of love. Amen. Father, we do pray today for all life savers. We do pray today for the good and courageous people, the generous people of the pro-life movement. When, Lord God, when will your people awaken to the taking of life around them, to the opportunity to save life, and to the great joy and gift that the pro-life movement is? Lord, we pray for this spirit of service to enter the hearts of every politician, every candidate for public office as we have this election. Help them understand what it is that they are running for. They're not running for, for power. They're running for service. Help us understand further, Lord God, the, the proper role of church authority, that it is not to be like Gentiles lording it over us, but service, respect, humbling themselves, not controlling others, serving others. And Lord, we lift up to you all the prayer intentions that are being expressed today and those that are held in the silence of our hearts. And we sum up all our prayers in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Friends, it's a great joy to be with you. Please invite others to come and watch these scripture reflections, and let introduce them to our ministry, too. You are a big factor of how we continue to grow, and we are growing. Despite all opposition, we are growing, and it's thanks to you. God bless you, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Hello, I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that, and today I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? Because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor, or you can call us at 321-500-1000. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.